0: What's up everybody, this is Grant at Cause Artist, back from Los Angeles and had an absolutely incredible week. I wanted to uh, thank everybody for uh, making the time to, to meet and chat and uh, get to know each other a little bit. It was it, it was amazing. I, I really loved uh, everything about it and I, can, I get why... Uh, people moved to LA. <laughs> the weather was amazing. It was outstanding. And it was just, uh, there's so many people there that it's just doing incredible things. It was just a fantastic time. Um, for this episode, though, I got a chance to go to Tom's headquarters and uh, record a uh, fireside chat, a session that the chief giving officer at Tom's, Amy Smith, had with uh, Conscious Capitalism LA. So Conscious Capitalism Los Angeles is a uh, direct affiliate of Conscious Capitalism, which for those who don't know, has really started to be a, a beacon in the space of, you know, trying to ha- build a space where companies can go and be a part of a community focused on, you know, social capitalism, right? And, and sort of using our companies to to impact the world and, and do a better job as businesses, right? And so... The conversation was between uh, Steve Phillips, who's on the board of Conscious Capital LA, and also Amy Smith, who's the Chief Giving Officer at Tom's. And it was a really, really interesting discussion. Uh, They talked about Tom's decisions on moving exclusively away from the one-for-one model a little bit and, and how they're gonna innovate in giving and in philanthropy as they move forward. They talked about their campaign to end gun violence and the pros and cons of, of what they learned from that and and why they became a b corp for for most of us listening to this we probably know what b corps are but if you didn't know tom's recently had became certified and Amy talked a little bit about that decision and and why they thought the time was right now so it, it was really it was really interesting it's about a 22 minute conversation they had and I recorded that but then after Amy <laughs> so graciously I mean, this is probably 9 p.m. West Coast time. I mean, she's been probably already on a 12, 13 hour day and she graciously gave me a little bit of time at the end, one-on-one, to do a quick little little interview for Cause Artists. So I, I was very appreciative of that and, and I really wanted to thank Amy and, and her team uh, for setting that up at the end. Uh, especially Crystal, she helped me out a bunch. Uh, so appreciate appreciate that, Crystal. And absolutely appreciate you, Amy, for taking the time and and really uh, being an innovator in the space and, and really trying to you know, figure out this this giving component here in, in 2019 and as we moved into 2020 and how social impact can take that next step and, and social enterprises, social entrepreneurship can really take that next step to be a part of this ever-changing world. So our interview's at the end, so it'll be the fireside chat first and then me, me and Amy sit down for, for a few minutes. So if you wanna wait till the end to hear me and Amy, uh, that would be great. So again, thanks for everybody who came out and met me while I was in LA. It was, it was a beautiful time and I'll be back soon for sure. So have a great day, thanks. So
1: first of all, I just wanna welcome you all to Tom's. We're so thrilled that you all came out. I know LA traffic is like a really hard decision on a Thursday evening, so <laughs> hopefully everyone got a glass of wine and it was <laughs> worth it. Um, you also, in the front here, you're sitting in our very special rocking chairs. Please don't feel like you're gonna fall off. They rock and you won't fall, I promise. And you guys in the bleachers, if your buns start to hurt a little, just stand up, move around, it's all good. Uh, We use this space for our um, all staff meetings and some of the different um, events that we do in partnership with others. So we love this meeting, but sometimes it's not the most comfortable back there, so do what you need to do. Um, As far as my role here at TOMS, uh, I am the Chief Giving Officer, and so that's a somewhat unique title. Um, But what ultimately that means I'm responsible for is, first and foremost, setting our giving strategy. Um, And I do that in partnership, certainly with the leadership team, but also I'm very fortunate to have 11 people on the giving team here at Tom. And I think that's a really important point, which maybe we'll talk about a little bit more. I'm also responsible for um, supporting that team in managing the partnerships with what we call giving partners. They are actually the ones who are the experts, they're the ones on the ground doing the work, and we are interfacing between the customer who's um, decided to purchase a pair of tongs and therefore create a give and the giving partner who's executing that giving the field. So that um, relationship management is a huge part of what we're responsible for on our team. The third piece was alluded to in my introduction and that is creating um, space for the employees to experience our giving firsthand. And so we do that in two ways. One, through our giving trips. If you're an employee of Tom's and you've been with us for two years or more, you have the opportunity to go directly into the field and experience our giving firsthand. So uh, we traveled around the world with giving shoes. We just did our first um, impact uh, giving trip, which we uh, which was in Chicago, uh, focused on their efforts around ending gun violence, so they did not do any shoes with it, Um, and so that experience for people to have the opportunity to go in directly in the field and experience it—the stories that people come back with, as you probably already all know, because of the type of people that you are—you think that you're going to give, and you come back with so much more than you gave, right? You receive so much more than what you're able to give. So we we'll really try to keep that spirit of giving alive, and for people to go out and see the complexities of this giving, what are the issues ha- happening in these communities, and. The culture and how do we navigate that in partnership with our giving partners? You know, at the end of the day, I feel like my responsibility is um, to protect the credibility of Tom's giving and to be the steward of everyone who's chosen to be part of the Tom's community. Um, so, anyone who's ever bought a pair of Tom's, you are the givers, um, and we are the stewards of that giving that you've chosen to do. And I take that responsibility very seriously, as does everyone on my team. So that's kind of the the Uh gist of what I'm responsible for. That is great.
2: And you said something about your 11 people, and that is really important. Do you want to say
1: something more about that? Yeah. I think um, I just want to encourage organizations. I think think what is happening is we're collectively, not any one organization, uh, saying we want to do these things, but not necessarily resourcing them in the way they need to be resourced. And so, I think one person sitting in HR trying to figure this all out is not the way we're going to make it through uh, a corporate environment. So, I feel incredibly fortunate to have super talented, way smarter than me people on my team. A couple of them are here. Rebecca's incredibly talented. We have people who have public health backgrounds and international development backgrounds. I'm sort of this. Conduit. I sort of play the translation role between the business and the nonprofit world. Uh, play the translation role between marketing and giving, right? Between sales and giving. So I can kind of sit in a lot of different places. But the people on this team are just incredible. And they allow us to be in a position to be really nimble, to try new things, to go into new areas. Um, that's where we're at in our group, our growth. But I think starting out, like, people should be planning to grow these teams, not sort of check the box here of somebody in that role. And so I just, i really like to emphasize that. I think that conversation should be having more about what does it look like to have a team and have a department and ensure that it's professional and professionalized and accepted as that inside the company.
2: Oh my God, and I have so many questions for you. <laughs>
1: um, Okay,
2: so just so you all know, my <laughs> sense of it is is that we all have growing businesses. And Amy has been in this business for a long time. Tom, has been in the business for a long time. I'm hoping we can get words of wisdom, things we can all learn from. And one of the things that I want to ask you about is some of the difficulties, some of the costs, things like that. One thing that I can imagine is you sitting in the senior team and, I'm curious, do you have a full voice? Yeah. And, and the reason I ask that question so everybody knows is because for so many years, human resources was called personnel, and they didn't have a voice. Then they were called human resources. They had a little bit more of a voice. Now they're called, what, uh, human capital or talent. And there's way more of a voice. And so I'm curious about the progression, where you stand, and then I'm going to give you the next question as well, so okay. you can go with what you want. Don't worry, I'll remind you. Okay. And that would be: Do you ever run against, run up against, when you're with the senior team, things that may be good for giving, yeah. but not good for sales or not good for operations? and so How does that work? Yeah.
1: So um, another reason I feel really fortunate to be at Tom's is I report to the CEO, and he would have it no other way. So he is. My biggest advocate, his biggest advocate for the balance of profit and purpose in this company, he will go to that directly with the board. Um, he understands that it is sort of the secret sauce of Tom's that it is what makes us special, um, and recognizes the business value of that and the impact value of that. And so, if you all are CEOs, act that way in your companies. <laughs> Um, and if you are the person working on these issues and, and you're maybe not working for the CEO, I think advocating for those direct, if not reporting, those direct connections, those direct relationships, those direct opportunities to provide updates and be in a strategic conversation. I feel, as a chief giving officer, just as responsible to selling shoes as I do to the quality of our giving because they are Inextricably linked together. Um, and I think that's the beauty of so many of the models that you all have built upon and made so incredible. There's so many cool things going on. Wow, I'm just like talking to only, I've talked to three people so far. I was just like, y'all are going my mind with the types of things that everyone's taking on and doing. And so I think that, that um, having that seat at the table allows us to keep um, giving our giving part of our team. And I think that that's incredibly important because your credibility in all of this is incredibly important. And I think uh, the more people that get into it, the less value it potentially can have. The more people that get into it, if we all do it the right way, it's gonna like totally. T- it's gonna be what the definition of red like, conscious capitalism efforts are. Right, that every company feels this obligation and or sent. More importantly, sees the value in this way and working this way. The, the second, second one was
2: the contradiction. So it yes. happens sometimes that what might be good for
1: yes. giving might
2: not be good for sales or operations, yes. and then there's a battle, or yes. there's not. You seem yes. to have a really enlightened yeah. So he, talk to he us about he that. Is
1: Jim, mm-hmm. He is amazing. Jim um, is amazing. So, yeah, look, I think part of this, the more generic answer is this is the natural tension we're all choosing, right? is we could all very easily go work for a for-profit company and there is one goal and it is the bottom line. And you could all very easily work for a non-profit and there is one goal and that is the impact. We've chosen this space and therefore that natural tension, one, I actually think should always be there because I think you do have to make trade-offs all the time uh, in, in the business and in the giving. And two, I think it's just, really important for us to understand that that has to be navigated all the time so does that happen yes it happens all the time Um, does it bother me or upset me? no because i think it's important for us to be thinking about like is this the best thing for the business collectively and if you're asking that question and you have um and purpose and profit is at the core of your dna then you'll have the right conversation right and so, examples of that would be – they're easier for me to, like, say that they're a problem on their side on I said. Uh-huh. Um, but ex- an, an example of that would be, right, like, oh, you know what? We're going to open a new store in XYZ City. Can you, can you get some giving going there? We need some giving going there. Like, oh, hold on. I'm not sure that's actually the best thing to do for our giving. Oh, that might be really good for the store. So let's figure out how do we make something happen that – Maybe is one time, or give us some time to work through it, or let's pilot something, right? So try to find that, try to find a yes collectively, um, but not necessarily compromise. Say, sure, yeah, well, of course, I'm giving it Chicago, whatever. No, we don't want to do that, right? So that would be an example for for me. I don't know if I have another one. No, that's okay. It sounds
2: like it's a healthy uh, dialogue, yeah. a healthy conversation. It's open. You talk about it, and you figure out what's right. That, I think, is so amazing and yet yeah, consistent with who you guys are. It's, uh, it occurs to me that in companies that are trying to shift towards more social impact, rather than they were built that way, it probably is, goes a different way.
1: Yeah, and I hope that um, people like you figure out how to help those companies, because I'm always thinking, like, can, can Coca-Cola really do this? Like, is this possible? Uh, can people depot really figure this out? Uh, and I don't know. I'm skeptical that that's possible for them because I think it's so hard to resolve with this. Now, do I think they all will be doing more, and are they all moving toward that? Absolutely. I'm super impressed with how really big companies are figuring out how to have a purpose as part of a company. Um, But those shareholder expectations are, they're, they're set, you know? And so I think it's really hard for them to navigate that.
2: Yeah, I think so too. And I'm not so sure exactly how. To do that. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of research that says it's kind of impossible. But I I, I don't I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna break through, I'm gonna find a way. Okay, so now we're gonna shift a little bit. And this I I can't read this because I can't stick with it, but I, this has been very curious to me. So when Tom's first came on the the scene and there was the one-to-one giveaway, it was revolutionary. And you guys skyrocketed to the top of the social impact world. And then it seemed like people caught up. And then it seemed like you guys didn't have a unique selling proposition or uh, a competitive advantage anymore. Then I don't know this, but it seemed like I didn't hear a lot for a while. And now when you go on the website, there's like five or six causes, Stanford tomorrow, There's, and I wrote them down, I didn't want to get them wrong, and there's different ones in different places, so maybe you can talk about that, that ending gun violence, equality, providing safe water, helping the homeless, bullying, mental health, and so forth. So what I'm most concerned about, not concerned, but I'd like everybody to hear, is that journey. That couldn't have been easy. Can you talk about the internal politics, what happened, what you guys did, how it worked, whatever your stories are, would be helpful for us? Sure,
1: I'll try. (laughs) <laughs> you, got, you got a lot of that right.
0: So, um, what I say
1: about One for One for Toms is that it's incredibly beautiful for our heritage and our legacy, and not great for day-to-day business uh, because so many others are doing it. It's not a unique value proposition any longer, um, and so it's amazing to be one of the first. Uh, we will continue to do some One for One giving. We will continue to give shoes. But there was a moment about a year ago um, that we kind of started asking some harder questions about: um, Are we doing all we can with the incredible um, amount of giving we're able to do based on our model? Uh, and we started looking at, gosh, the world around us is really changing, and the consumer expectation is really changing, and no one can deny either of those two things, So we're all set up for new success. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really need to take a step back and think about what we should be doing. And Tom's wasn't flying off the shelves anymore. Like, we can be super honest about that. So the combination of, ensuring we had a fabulous product, right? Because that, if you read all the purpose reports, like, you are doing a product, it better be great because the purpose piece is only gonna sell your product for so long, right? Then you just have to have a fabulous product. And the purpose piece will certainly help, but it, it's not, no one's gonna wear an the shoe, or just not. So um, making sure we get the product piece right, and then ensuring that we're doing the right evolution of our giving. And so we spent a lot of time thinking about this, we did a lot of research, we talked to consumers, uh, we we tried to understand what was um, most important to them. We tried to understand uh, what were the biggest issues facing communities today. And then we kind of overlaid what are we already doing that aligns with some of that? What do we already have credibility in? What are we already good at, right? We're good at managing relationships, we're good, good at learning. Um, from others and ensuring that we create the bridge from the product to the gift. So the first internal tension was, holy crap, that took a long time. Uh, It just was a a slow process. We worked down a lot of rabbit holes and came back up and went, nope, that wasn't right. Nope, that wasn't right. Just in our kind of figuring it out internally. So Blake got more involved. which was fantastic to have his perspective and his passion in the room and at the table. We have a lot of opinions um, on our leadership team and on our board of directors. Um, I, most days, love that everyone feels like they're part of the giving department. Some of those (laughs) days were harder. Um, And so all of that to sort of culminate in this, okay, we're still going to give shoes. I have to set this down. And we are, but we are going to expand our giving. And that's going to probably mean that we need to move away from the very tight one-for-one. One. That was terrifying. It still sort of is, a little scary. Because a couple reasons. One, one-for-one one is so incredibly simple, you can just get it immediately. You can't explain anything else. Some people get confused, like, if I buy this shoe, you're gonna get that shoe, no, it's different. <laughs> um, but in general, people really understand that, that idea, right? And so when you start to say, your list there we're gonna do yes we're still gonna give shoes insight and water and now we're gonna give some impact grants in these other areas and I'm asleep. When I say one for one you're like great I totally get it I'm inspired. I want to buy something. So that has been a huge struggle that to, to be totally honest we are still absolutely dead square in the middle of. The um how do we now and I'll talk I'll back up a second here um, and talk about what we're actually doing because it's not all those things because we, we did this right and then we gotta kinda come back because we we went a little too wide, Like, okay, let's do a lot of things, which is typical for an entrepreneurial spirited company, right? Um, we need to sort of say, okay, we tried some things, now we need to narrow, narrow it back a little bit. So um, we're in the midst of figuring out, how, now how do we tell the consumer about this, right? We're famous for one for one. We, you know, in the bottom of our shoes, it now says we're the original one for one company. So we want to hold on to that. We'll still do some one-for-one giving, but we do believe that one, we can have great impact in some of these other areas, and two, we really believe it will resonate for the consumer. The third piece of that is that we're not afraid to go into some issue areas that might be considered slightly maybe controversial. Right now, I would say, tell me an issue, and it's probably controversial in the world. That's just the way things are going. So um, after all that, and all this sort of widening, and right now on the website you can go and choose your gift, right? It's called Pick Your Style, Pick Your Stand. And you can buy a pair of shoes, and then as part of that you can choose where your gift goes. Uh, So it's a really fun call to action for the consumer. It goes beyond the purchase, which I think is really important. Um, And it allows people to have this, this sort of, a little tighter connection. Other thing we were hearing, so I'm jumping around a little bit, but the other thing we were hearing from consumers is, yeah, that's nice to be a pair of shoes. Maybe it's to a country I can't find on the map even. Like, I see so many issues happening in my backyard. Like, there's so many things happening right here. What are you doing about that, right? So we got a lot of that kind of feedback. Um, and so as we kind of bring all this together, after you, after we're, we're going to close out, pick your style, pick your stand, right? We're going to we're going to wrap that up. It told us a ton of things. First of all, mental health was chosen number one, far and away, from anything else we offered. We were shocked. So that was a huge piece of data that helped us a fit. bit. We used, uh, we got really clear that our target con- consumer is a millennial female. And we're getting even more and more clear about narrowing that and really being clear about who she is and what she cares about. Um, and so we've done a lot of research on the millennial female and what she cares about. Uh, the first thing she cares about is um, her reproductive rights, and we are not going there. The second thing she cares about is, uh, oh, is, that is, that is, I would say that is too political for a company to take on, or a non-activist company. We would not consider ourselves an activist company, we would consider ourselves a purpose-driven company. And so there's a whole other conversation in that. She also cares about um, safety in her community, right? And she cares about equal access to opportunity or equality, right? And so those are the things she's thinking about the most and those are the things we're gonna narrow to, right? Great,
2: Great. I love that, thank you. And it's sounding, I'm listening to you and I'm pulling out all these kind of classic business principles that are still there for you that you guys are finding. And that's, I just wanna make sure everybody here understands that classic business still works and having giving and caring at the core is just creates all kinds of wonderful things with it. So, th- those are those are very important to me. Okay, we're gonna switch a little bit, Okay, we're gonna go to the next one. Um, so, you guys are a b-core, and uh, you wear that badge very proudly, and I love that too, and it's like, but you were already an established social impact company, and then you became a b-core. So, can you talk to us a little bit about why now, and if you're finding any true advantages, or even any disadvantages for being a b-core?
1: So the why now part, a little bit of um, growing up as a company, right? So, yes, we were a social impact company, but the Corp is, like, it's, first of all, it's just so cool, right? And, I mean, it's really, it's, really, it's, really special. it's really something that we all should be thinking about. And the consumer knows what it is more and more. Uh, but the European consumer is like, why aren't you Le Corp? I don't understand. Uh, so very focused on that. And the real advantage for us is that it's given us a roadmap. It's given us a roadmap to more of our 360 impact, I'm responsible for giving, but I'm finding myself in a lot of environmental responsibility conversations now um, with the product team, with the marketing team. What are we doing beyond um, just the product piece? What are we doing in the, our offices? Things like that. and so that 360 approach, man, you just go to your repo store, and you see where you can do better, that's your roadmap and you go do that. Um, and so that's been a really valuable upside for us from a from a here's what y'all should do next. And then just to just to be in the company of other companies that care in the same way and that are focused in the same way is pretty cool. Like we want we want to be part of the club. Um, so that's been a real advantage for us.
2: Beautiful. You know, I've got like 10 more questions and maybe two more minutes. So uh-huh. I'm going to just cut right to it and say, one of the things I think we all are growing, we all are learning, we're all trying to do our best, and uh, it, it, I find that we learn a lot from vendors. So things we tried that didn't work, and I think the latest way to think about it is fail fast, fail forward. Yeah. And one of the other organizations I'm involved with, they call it called lessons from the edge. Things that, you know, you just went right up to the end. You tried it, and if you didn't do it, it would have killed you, but you tried it anyway, and then you learn, and then you adjust. Do you have a, a Lessons from the Edge story or something where you guys really blew it somewhere or almost really blew it, and you learned something that we can all learn from?
1: This is a good story. I like, if it's, it's a total blow-it story, but it's it's definitely a lot of lessons learned. So the first thing is we are no um, stranger to criticism. Just Google us; you will find out. Um, and I think I think I'm okay with that because I feel like if we are all waiting for it to figure it all out and for it to be perfect, the moment will have passed. So we're very much in. We very much try to embrace the criticism. We try to learn from it, and we try to adjust, adjust because of it, right? Um, and so that's sort of natural to us in a, in a certain way. No one likes to be criticized, but um, we think that there are lessons there. And I think if someone's brave enough to criticize us, there's probably you know another twenty percent out there thinking the same thing. So that in general. I think just embracing that in general is a good thing, right? Someone's criticizing you for a reason. Like, haters are gonna hate. I get it, but <laughs> there, in, in most cases, there's something to be learned from it. So there's that piece. We, um, as part of the ending gun violence work, took a tour. So the, the, the really exciting part was um, we provided this probably the first time we dipped our toes teleth- into politics at all. We provided an opportunity for. Our consumers to, without purchase, fill in a postcard that was urging our congressional leaders to pass HRA, which was the universal background check law. And that passed in the House so in February. But that's like the most political thing Tom has ever done. And I was like, a couple thousand people are going to do this. Like, hurry up and get it on the website. Let's be done. <laughs> 730,000 people later. Wow. So that Um, that, that was the great part, Um, and it just shows you how hungry people are to engage and participate, so we also take that lesson for sure. Give them a CTA beyond the purchase. Give them some other way to build a relationship with you, Um, and so in True Tom's form, we decided that we wouldn't just mail the postcards, we would drive them across the country and hand deliver them. (laughs) Because we wanted to dump big bags of postcards on the congressional leaders' desks, and, like, it was going to be awesome. And we planned the whole thing in about eight weeks, um, which was ridiculous, (laughs) and uh, learned very quickly that you can't just march into the Senate buildings with bags of postcards. After anthrax, they don't do that. So we had all sorts of issues along the way, because we weren't painful. We missed opportunities in that tour. Um, It was great, and we are super proud of what we were able to do. But when you rush through something like that, and you're going almost too fast, you know, like, Don't wait for perfection, but, like, make sure you can take postcards into the Senate buildings. Like, it's somewhere between those two things that you really have to kind of get it right. Um, And so I think, you know, the biggest learning in, in that is, did we really have to go that fast? Did we miss more opportunities in trying to go that fast than we would have missed in taking a little bit more time to ensure we had it right? Um, and then just sort of planning for the nature of things. Like I planned to be on the entire tour. I was one city ahead of everyone the whole time. I was just like, holy crap, we're not ready in the next city, right? So I would like I was planning to go on the bus the whole time and I was like flying ahead of the bus, going, I hope they don't get here early. Uh, so it's those types of things that when you really just like don't have it all the way together. You lose opportunity. So it, I think it was fine on the surface to most people, but Really cool. uh, thank you. I love you, I
2: can just see the bag of postcards. All right, so let's, uh, let's open it up for a few minutes and uh, let's start right here. And I might repeat the questions if we can't hear it. So in the back, if you don't hear the questions, please let me know.
0: So I'm going to go ahead and stop it there when uh, the questions start to be asked. It was kind of difficult to, to hear it very well on the playback on the audio because they had people kind of far away asking questions and over to the left and right. It was just. It just didn't come out as good um so i'll uh, stop it here and then we'll go into the interview i did with amy at the end okay thanks Bye. The, the one sort of question i had was just about innovation and in, in sort of giving right and it's it's kind of a new thing right because we companies haven't really gave like this ever really like that right. kind of hasn't been somebody you could follow to take a roadmap for right, it. right and there's right. been innovation in, in products right whether it's product design or manufacturing yeah. but the giving side of thing how how does that affect you where you kind of have to be unfortunately maybe like the test case of yeah. innovation in, in giving and innovation and in impact yeah. as we take as we scale giving an impact from capitalist sort of society mm-hmm. and how we figure out consumerism how can it be a real impact for good so how would you look at or, or even define maybe innovation in giving
1: yeah so I, th- I think some of the stuff that we're trying now right so being committed to one for one for so long right. and having that be part of our heritage and who we are and what we're all about um, when we when we looked at what's happening in the world and how many things are changing how much savvier the customer is right and what That's they great point. care about um, and that they're voting with their wallets all the time right and we have this Really incredible platform that has been the DNA of Tom's from the beginning. We're in a unique position to be able to try some new things. To be the guinea pig a little bit. Yeah,
0: a little bit. Uh, Our
1: own guinea pig, sort of. (laughs) So, thinking about, I I won't, I don't, you know, we're not inventing anything. Sure. But we're innovating on some of the ideas. And I think, you know, brands taking stands and companies taking a stand on some of the issues that matter most in our society today. I think that's where the innovation is coming from. Interesting. Um, so there's some studies out now about, you know, what does it mean for your CEO to have a point of view politically and, yeah. and put that point of view out there. Think about in the gun violence space where we're we're learning, you we think about Dick's Sporting Goods and the CEO saying, we're not going to sell these right. types of guns anymore and destroying, I think it was half a million dollars worth of these guns, right? Mm-hmm. And being very public about that. Mm-hmm. Or... Patagonia, right? Obviously on public lands and what we're saying. Um, And so for us, it's taking a little bit more, dipping our toe a little bit more into what people might consider riskier conversations or riskier issue areas, but knowing that they're the right thing to do and innovating around how we show up in those spaces. So giving impact grants is not necessarily innovative, but giving impact grants to Smaller organizations where we don't have to necessarily see a huge impact return on investment, but we might help them leapfrog or help them get that more traditional funding or help them really prove that their model works. Mm-hmm. Is what we're sort of starting to see. Okay.
0: Allocating correctly, right? And More yeah. strategic. Like exactly. Understanding so how.
1: Fifty percent of anyone's budget.
0: Like <laughs> right. Right. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right.
1: But let letting them know that if we're funding them, that return on investment is learning, is getting better, is of course positively impacting the community in some of those issues that we think are really important.
0: The one thing that I heard in there that was really interesting was, and I think you, you sounded a little surprised too when you looked at the data and said that mental health was far and away yeah. sort of the most important thing to, to the consumers that, that you guys saw. And I think when you talk about gun violence and you talk about maybe like women's reproductive stuff, there's gonna be two defined sort of sides on those things, right? Yeah. But, ma- but mental health sort of might be, a safe space is maybe a wrong word, but I think a space where a lot of people from every side can come together on. Right, so I mean, I don't know if that's some that yeah, I think you guys saw.
1: Take the the non-political point of view. It, I don't.
0: Mental issue? health doesn't seem to be very political. Yeah, right? It's just either. like how do we figure it out Our and stigma,
1: what's There's political components when you tie it to potentially tie it to gun violence and some of those Sure, things. sure. But I think you know when you talk about gun violence specifically, 100 people being killed by guns in this country every day should be unacceptable to every human on the planet. Sure,
0: that's sure. That's the
1: point of view we take. Yep. How we go about solving that, will take a little less. That's the that's the way.
0: important traction and exactly. steps. That, how do you message that? Is like, look, exactly. it's you know, we understand that we're built on our mm-hmm. our country's built on on certain rights, and, yeah. and and I think everybody respects those right? I don't this think we. Isn't about your second. It's year. yeah. Um, I, 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 that for seems us. to always be the the conversation goes to that. It's like, yeah. that's not even the conversation. Not
1: for us. It's right. It's a conversation for many, but not for
0: times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, no, so I, I just thought that was, I thought the mental health thing is sort of, it kind of impacts every cause, whether it's gun violence, whether it's, you know, education or hunger. Right. Like mental health goes into a lot of these different domestic violence, a big area sure. where sure. mental health, sure. health is.
1: And they're, they're all, all these issues that we're thinking about now are all inter, they're interrelated, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah.
1: The quality and access to all the opportunity and mental health and safer communities, all those things are attached to each other. And mm-hmm. So we're investing in one, we hope that it's strengthening all of them. Yep. And so that's another reason why we sort of picked those three things and how much overlap there is. In the Venn diagram,
0: yeah. there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. All right. Again, big thanks to Amy. Uh, I, I know she was uh, she just had a long day and, and she was so gracious for the time so uh, again Amy I, I really appreciate it and I appreciate everybody for listening and giving me feedback um, it's it's been a really really cool thing uh, to do the podcast and, and to keep to keep trying to to interview um, amazing people really you know dedicating their lives to, to this stuff so uh, more really cool interviews to come if you can, rate and review. That would be great on Apple or Google or wherever you listen. And again, if you have any questions um, or thoughts or feedback, grant at causeartist.com. Um, I'll always, I, I'll get to it eventually. Uh, I, I try to answer every email, but if, if I can't, then I apologize. It will, it will get answered eventually. Uh, so I appreciate you guys taking the time and giving me your ears. And I hope you have a great week.